0: In our study of uh, the alphabet, some letters are are hard to uh, find a good subject on, like O, but when you get to P, there's all kinds of subjects. As a matter of fact, I decided to do three, (laughs) providence, phenomena, and prayer. We could have done any one of those and a few more and uh, not been able to do them all justice, but... These three, uh, providence, the providence of God, and then phenomena, that is really miracles and things God has done throughout the history of the world, and then prayer, all relate together. And that's why I'm going to lump them together, and we're going to look at all three and see, and see how they, they work together. You know, the Bible uh, can be seen in a lot of ways. One way to see it is like a jigsaw puzzle, and all of our lives we're working this puzzle, you know, and we're trying to put everything in place. Um, of course, every in a jigsaw puzzle, everything has a place, right? I mean, it's made that way, and who, whoever designed it and made it, cut it up into little pieces, put it in a box, knows that everything fits. You and I may not get it right, or we may, you know, we may give up, and and uh, it takes us too long. But everything fits, and so in the Bible, everything fits, and God knows how it fits. We may or may not discover that. Uh, we may be better at it than uh, others. We may, uh, you know, when I'm doing a jigsaw puzzle, I have to do the border. You know, Well, you do the border because all of those pieces have a straight edge. <laughs> you know it has to go on the border somewhere. So it's the easiest part to do. Maybe we we do the bible that way too. We start out with the easiest parts and then work toward the others. When you're looking at a at a picture or something like that, you can back off and look at a panorama of it, like a scenery, uh, you know, when you look at mountains or you look at the ocean or something like that, You can back off and look, it's prettier because you can see so far. Then also sometimes you get right up close. You know, in the mountains there are people who take their little chisels and hammers and they go right up on the rocks and they're chiseling out little fossils and rocks. Well, you don't get much of a panoramic view that way, uh, but you're touching it. You've got your hands on it, and uh, some people like that. And uh, we need both, really. Sometimes we need to back off and take the bigger view so we can see how, what it looks like in a large picture. And then other times we really do need to get down close, and that, that's when we uh, study words and spellings and syntax and, and uh, things like that. So we, we need it all. Now, uh, here, with these three words, providence and phenomena, Again, I'm thinking miraculous uh, interventions that God has done throughout history. And then prayer itself are like three pieces of this large puzzle that probably interconnect. In other words, in the picture, these three pieces will go close to one another. You know, when you're doing a picture, you've got a bunch of red over here, or you've got water over here, or trees over here, you know that if you have a little picture of a tree, it doesn't go up here in the water, where the ocean is. And these three pieces are are very close to one another. So we're kind of lo- uh, zooming in a little closer on this part of the picture and looking at these three things. So here's how I, I would describe these if... Uh, if I would give you an outline. In providence, God sustains us. His providence is what holds everything together. He, he holds the world together. He rules it like a kingdom, but he holds everything together so we have life and breath and all things like that. In phenomena, God assures us. So throughout history, God has done miraculous things to assure us. And then in prayer, God hears us, and he, he-, he takes note of us, and he takes note of our wishes, and he even changes his providential care because of that prayer. So we'll, we'll think about uh, these three things, all right? So first of all, in providence, and again, we mean by that that God is in control of everything think uh just these here are just a few verses psalm 136 25 he giveth food to all flesh for his mercy endureth forever everything that eats including the squirrels on my back porch i have to remember god gives them food through me <laughs> and my pocketbook but i but he does uh <laughs> You know, they're supposed to be for the birds, but the squirrels get it. But think of this vast world, whether in the ocean wide and all of the creatures that are in the sea, or all of the things that roam on the land, wherever it is, in some places where man has hardly ever been. The jungles, the mountains, the deserts, and God feeds everything that moves and eats. I mean, when you think about that one thing alone, that's that's an amazing thing to think about in God's providence, that He gives them water, He gives them food, uh, He He uh, makes sure that the ground gets the moisture it needs, He makes sure that there are seasons that that particular part of the world needs the cold, the warm, everything in between, the sunshine at the right time, so that food grows, so that all flesh in all the world can eat. I mean, that alone is an, an amazing thought when you think about it. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the, uh, the hills. So there's water there. And you know the cycle of the water, how it cycles through our world and uh, goes back into the ground, runs to the ocean, uh, evaporates into the air, brought back over the ground again by the clouds, let it drop again onto the ground, soak in, and go again. And it cycles and cycles and goes through all the ground. And God does that so that he feeds all the creatures and he feeds, uh, he feeds us. And I always think of Isaiah's analogy to that, uh, to the word of God, You know that your, your word is like the rain that falls. It uh, accomplishes that whereunto you sent it. And returns back unto God. So uh, the word of God does the same kind of thing. In Colossians and verses like this, he says that he is before all things and by him all things consist. So that word "consist," theologians have noted always, that it means to be glued together, to be interlocked together. You, in the analogy of our, of our puzzle, you, know, you get the pieces interlocked so that they don't pull apart. And and God holds the world together. And that may mean, and probably does, that this very world rotating as it does around suns and and, uh, our earth rotating, and there's gravity, and there's, there's weather, and there's all of this, that if God took his hand off of that at all, it would all begin to fly apart. So by him, all things consist. Scientists don't like that, of course, because they would rather think that we're here without God's help, but the Bible indicates to us that the whole earth itself, the rotation of the planets and everything that involves our seasons and everything, controlled by God and consisted by God. Now, in in this providential care, God has foreknowledge so that he sees it all and so he isn't like we are where we're just seeing today and we're wondering what this afternoon will be like (laughs) you know will we really get up above 40 degrees will the sun actually shine all day and melt the ice on our driveway we're not sure but God knows right and 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 so, so not only does he know everything that's happening in the world right now, he knows everything that ever has happened, and he knows everything that's going to happen. And that adds to the bewildering thought of God's knowledge and care and, and providence. So God knows that whatever he does today affects tomorrow. And he knows that what he did 100 years ago or a 1,000 years ago He knows how that worked itself out into your life and mine. When we talk about prayer in a minute, we'll think about how God, in answering your prayer, also has to consider how everything else in the world changes if he answers your prayer. And yet, he does it all, and he knows how it all fits together. And not only that, he sees it all from the beginning. And that's why... uh, you know whether whether you're more Arminian or more Calvinistic, everyone has to admit God knows it and God sees it, and nothing is a surprise to Him. As a matter of fact, when you think about that, I often, I, you know, when I read in the Bible that God, we read about God's emotion, but God, but God never changes. So God. Since he knows everything as if it's happening right now, whether future or past, is God ever surprised by anything? No, not, I mean, not in the sense that we think of surprised. Well, then how come God has emotion? How come God loves? How come he hates? How come he, he changes his mind or repents, as the Bible says, or, or do, does those kinds of things? If nothing is a surprise and nothing is unknown to him. Isn't that amazing that he even does that, that he enters into history with us? I was, I was thinking about how to, how to get my mind around that, and I thought, maybe it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record a football game today, <laughs> and then I'm going to watch it later. And even though the game is done and the teams have gone home, I don't know it, so I'm going to watch it, and I get excited even though it's already done. I thought, no, that's not the way God is because God knows. <laughs> you know, when I watch it, I, I don't know how it's going to come out. But I do, th- I do this. I, I want you to know when I record a game, I look at the score online. <laughs> and then I go home and watch it. You do that? Because if my team loses, I'm going to zip through it real quick. Maybe I won't even watch. <laughs> But that way, I can sit and watch the, game. you know, and so so my team, you know, I know wins by one point, point. and so it's going to be a nail biter game, you know. And if you don't know what's happening, they're sitting there biting your nails, you know. But if you know, hey, I know what's going. To, I know they're going to win, you know. So you can sit there, and Ann's watching, and somebody else, you know. So what do you think? What do you think? Oh, ah, no problem. They'll they'll pull it down, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but you know. God knows how everything's going to come out, so it's not a surprise to him. But he enters into this history with us, and he enters in as our companion, as our guide, as our helper, and I think in a way enters into our emotion with us to show us how to handle things that he already knows. Anyway, I don't know how to explain, and who does, all that God does in this world and how he does it. I know this. He He knows every hair on your head. He counts them. And some of you are a lot of trouble to God. But what kind of a God is that? That knows the number of hairs on a person's head and all the people who have ever lived or ever will live. What kind of a God is that? Yeah, awesome. Uh You know, does he know things? Yeah. Does he know? He watches a sparrow fall and he cares when the sparrow falls on the ground. I don't care when a sparrow falls on the ground. I hope more of them do. That's (laughs) terrible to say. They eat my bird food. I told Ann the other day, I said, you know, isn't that strange that we have to put this bird food out here and get 10 birds we don't care anything about to get one that's pretty? (laughs) And that's terrible because God cares for the sparrows. You know, so he's unlike me, and that's good. So we have this kind of God, and, and this is a providential God who, who controls everything and, and watches everything. So his, his foreknowledge uh, of future events is comprehensive and exhaustive, and, and, and he knows. Now, some things in God's world must happen, and other things he could change— even though he knows before the foundation of the world what it is and and how it's going to happen. But some things must happen, right? I mean, uh, for example, uh, in Genesis, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. Sorry, winter's got to happen. (laughs) And winter's got to happen so that spring will happen. And if we don't have winter and spring, you are not going to have time for farmers to plant their crops. And if you don't have summer, you're not going to have fall. If you don't have fall, you're not going to have a harvest. And if you don't have a harvest, we don't have food to eat. Some things have to happen. Or consider the redemptive things. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Oh, I was going to say this, Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and must suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and must be killed and be raised again the third day. Must. Must Jesus die on the cross? Absolutely. Any way to change that? No. He must. And the same thing, of course, could be said of of all of these kinds uh, of events. He must, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. So someday he will reign on this earth, and he must do that because God has ordained it and God said it would happen. So these things that God says, these will happen, I will do these, uh, then there's no way, there's no power in the universe that could keep that from happening, of course, because God is God and, and he can do these things. So even with us, Uh, He has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of His Son. If He has foreseen you and you are a believer in Him, then He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. He is going to conform you to His Son. Because He said He would. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by wicked hands and have crucified and slain. All of these things must happen. And he has said that they, they will happen that way. Other things he knows would happen or he knows could happen. And we we get more into this in prayer in in, in just a minute. Uh you know some people believe that uh, you have a choice in your salvation, and some people believe you don't. I happen to believe you do, and that God foresaw that choice. and since he did, uh, he answered that prayer, and he knew how he would answer that prayer uh, if you If you pray for God to give you good weather, <laughs> did God really do it because of your prayer? We'll come back to that in a minute. I mean, you know, uh, you know, in the, in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II, there were prayers about the weather so that the Allies could win the war. Did God answer that? I mean, this was this would have been a world-changing answer to prayer, right? When did He decide to do that? When did He decide to change the weather? Because the weather, the way it's formulated, doesn't change now in or, for tomorrow it started changing years ago right we're in el nino and all of that when did that start i mean you know you understand what i'm saying um you have a songbook open to open to uh, page 63 sometimes we sing songs like this and and the words go right by us, and and there are dozens of these kinds of songs: immortal, invisible, God only wise. <laughs> right? We have at the top that verse from First Timothy, known uh, now unto God who is eternal, immortal, invisible. Well. Uh, you remember the, how the song goes, the immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes, we can't see him and understand. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. But notice, unresting, unhasting, and silent as light. <laughs> he doesn't need to rest, even though he rested on the seventh day. It's not because he was exhausted like you and I are. He he starts and stops when he wants to, unhasting. I'm always in a hurry. <laughs> I'm not I, always, but I mean, you know, you're always you, know, you live by deadlines, right? You got to be at church at 9:30, and I got to be done here by by 10:15 uh, or so, you know. And then I got to start again at 10. I, we're always, at, God is unhasting. Nothing surprises him. He's designed it all. He's going to start and stop when he chooses, you know silent as light you like that idea nor wanting he he doesn't need anything nor wasting everything he's done is for a purpose thou rulest in might thy justice like mountains high soaring above and thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love remember that next time you have rain and your basement fills with water (laughs) still came from God To all life Thou givest, to both great and small, not just the king, but to every small creature in this world. In all life Thou livest, the true life of all. Not that, not that, that uh, you know, in that sense that the trees are God and so forth. But if a tree has life in it, God's given it to the tree. If the bug has life in it, God's given it to the bug, everything that has life. We blossom and flourish as leaves on the tree, and wither and perish, but not changeth thee. Never does God change. So, I mean, we sing songs like that uh, constantly. Now, that's providence. Secondly, phenomenon, phenomena with an A for the plural. God, in phenomena, God assures us. If in, in providence he sustains us, in phenomena he assures us. And so phenomena, I mean mostly miraculous things where he interrupts his providence. So God in, in, in his providential care of this world began the, the cycles this way, the the years, the seasons uh and all of these kinds of things but every once in a while he interrupts that process and we call it miraculous rightfully so and we see this phenomena and uh, we say to ourselves wow who did that and that's the reason why God does it so that we will say God did it now when we talk about miracles you've heard me talk about this before or most of you have uh, we are basically cessationists. A- and we mean by that that God's miraculous gifts have ceased. So there, are no more, there is no longer the gift of tongues. People do not speak in tongues from God today, I believe. I hope you believe too. So there are no more prophecies today. So if someone stands up and says, I've received a prophecy from God, we don't think so or visions, or whatever, in that miraculous sense, okay? Neither does he have healers today, or apostles, or people who can come around, put their hand on you, you're healed immediately, and you walk away. Those gifts ceased in the first century. That's, that's our theology. I mean, and most Baptists throughout history have believed that, along with uh, many other denominations and so forth. A matter of fact, the, the uh, The fundamentalists who were Presbyterian, and there were many of them, j Gratian Machen, B.B. Warfield, and others like that, wrote some of the greatest things as cessationists that these uh, miraculous things from God have ceased. But when we talk about miracles, we certainly believe that God has worked miracles. That is especially biblical miracles. And so when we think of the history of this world, we go back to, first of all, to creation itself. Um, In um, Hebrews 11, I was reading through Hebrews the other day, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are seen through the things that he's made. So at one point, there was nothing, and at the, and the next point, God had created light. God said, let there be light, Psh, there was light. God said, uh, let there be uh, land, there was land. And we believe in that kind of creation. We believe God did it in seven days. And so that was a phenomenon, an early on phenomenon, and, and it was amazing, or the flood, though it did come from, the water came from the earth and from the sky, you might say maybe it wasn't a miracle, but this world doesn't flood universally <laughs> high above the, the tallest mountains. So in this phenomenon called the flood, God interrupted his natural providence and said, I'm going to destroy everything. I'm going to start again. And so he brings this phenomenon and it changed the world. And it—it's the mountains that we enjoy today would not be there if it hadn't been for that flood that interrupted God's whole uh, process. Or take the Tower of Babel, uh, where God miraculously, all of a sudden, confused people's language. That was a—that was much as much of a miracle as the tongues at Pentecost, where He put them back together, was. <laughs> He All of a sudden, people didn't understand what, each other, what one another were saying, whereas at Pentecost, all of a sudden, they did understand from, from 18 different languages listed there. And then, of course, all of the miracles in between that we read and we know about in the Bible, from Jonah and the whale to the Red Sea, uh, and, of course, right up to the death uh, or the, the virgin birth, I should say, the sinless life. And not only the death, but the resurrection and then the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then we talk about the return of Jesus Christ and how uh, he's going to return in the clouds and we're going to go meet the Lord in the air. All of those things are phenomena that God assures us. So, so uh, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ itself, Paul uses in that rapture passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Then you know that these people you are putting in the ground will one day rise also He assures us through that That uh, if you believe on him because he rose you will too and so will all of your loved ones As a matter of fact, you know because he rose from the grave That he can put new life in you called the new birth And how do you know he can do that because of his death burial and resurrection and you have that confidence, so he assures us uh, through these things. Now, there's a, there were purposes for those miracles, and we don't always have the same purposes today. That's why we're partly cessationists in these things, because when Jesus Christ came and presented himself as God on this earth and king to the Jews, when he went back to heaven, the miracles that attested to his messiahship are not necessary any longer. Because he's gone, and the Jewish nation is dispersed, and so we don't need those miracles anymore, even uh, the casting out of demons and, and those kinds of things. Now, we will always have a discussion among believers about, are there are there miracles that happen today? And here is where we give each other a lot of latitude. Whether one person says, I don't think we should call anything a miracle today, Or somebody else would say, well, I believe in miracles, I just don't believe in miracle workers. I understand what a person like that's saying. Uh, To me, if, if you wanted to put your finger on a miracle today, I guess the thing that I would have to put my finger on is the new birth itself. But it's not the kind of miracle people are looking for today, is it? It's not like the signs and wonders type of thing. But... A person without Jesus Christ is dead in trespasses and sin. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, you can come to Christ and answer his call, but I mean, you can't regenerate yourself. You can't make yourself be born again. You know that. Or it would be by works. So God has to regenerate you. And when he regenerates that dead thing, I think that could be called a miracle if you want want miracles today. The other thing that I would point to is one day in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, all saved people are going to be lifted off this earth and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. That will be uh, obviously a miracle, an interruption of God's process. Now, other things that we talk about, it's harder to to say, Uh, does God work a miracle in the hospital when we pray for somebody and that person gets better i think generally that's not a miracle generally god is using the natural processes of the body and of medicines and of what surgeries or whatever else we have and and the body's put back together uh and heals itself or god maybe even speeds up the process but yet, when the per, if there's a person that says, but I prayed for this cancer and all of a sudden the cancer was gone, and so therefore I take it as a miracle, I'm not going to argue with that, I, I, you know, however God wanted to answer that prayer. I, I call these things basically answers to prayer. I think we're better off these days if we understand more how God answers prayer than always looking for the miracle, because miracles are very scarce even in biblical history, Uh, much less today. And we have to be real careful because once we say, well, these, you know, God works miracles today, then what do we have to say to the faith healer or the false prophet or the false apostle or all of those who claim the same thing? So I'm just saying we have to be, we have to be very careful. We shouldn't, of course, call Natural phenomena, miracles like childbirth and so forth. Though we, though a child is born and, and you watch that when your child is born, and and we can easily say, what a miracle from God! And actually, it, it was anything but a miracle. It, it is the way God made life. That is life, and creatures all over this world give birth, and it's a wonderful thing. But it's not a miracle. So, so, as someone has always pointed out, if we look at everything God does in such wonderful ways, the opening of a flower, a seed that falls into the ground and opens and then out of that's going to come life. And if we call all of that miracle, then all of a sudden nothing is a miracle because everything is a miracle. You understand what I'm saying? Then, then everything is on that basis. But if that is life, if that is what God has made, then his interruptions into that were miracles and that's what we're talking about when we say God parted the Red Sea and somebody says oh well you know God made a land bridge under the water and made it shallow and they went across and and so God worked that miracle no that wouldn't have been a miracle then what we read about is a miracle and the same thing with God preparing a great whale to swallow his prophet he 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 prepared that whale. He kept him alive in that fish, and so forth. So guard the miracles is all I'm saying. I, I, I'm not going to draw definite lines. You know, uh, I realize God can do what he does in the way he does it, and I don't always understand that. But uh, I do understand biblical miracles, and I also understand our third category. We'll move to that quickly, and that is in prayer God hears us, that we are commanded to pray, right? <clears throat> And prayer, uh, as I've always said, is, is a very easy but a very difficult subject. It's very, it, seems, it seems very shallow, but it's a mile deep uh, because we'll, we, we'll pray at the end of this hour, we'll pray in the next hour, we'll pray before our meal, and we'll, you know, we'll uh, pray all the time, all our lives, and yet we probably have no idea how much our prayers affect things that happen and because of little faith you know we have to pray in faith without faith it's impossible to please God everything we do is is by faith so uh, uh, we we pray now um, God has given man uh, C.S. Lewis called it the dignity of causality and he said God, God created human beings and he created only, only humans in his image. So he didn't give animals this dignity, but he gave human beings the dignity of causality. And he says, you, you possess it in two ways. Number one, you can do things. So you have the ability in this world to go do things. And you can do good things and you can do bad things bad because sin sin is in this world and we brought it in but he still left us that ability to do it and if you till the ground well you may eat better <laughs> and if you do it poorly you may not eat so well if you cut down the tree and build a good boat you may make it to the other side but if you build a bad boat you may drown <laughs> You, you have the dignity of causality. You can do good things, you can do bad things. The other part of our dignity, the other dignity that God gave us is prayer. So in prayer, we can ask him to do it. <laughs> and so here we are, we have the ability and the privilege from God to say, Lord, as the creator of this world, would you do this? And what a privilege is that? And what a, what a powerful thing then prayer is, as Lewis pointed out when he wrote that, he said, and yet we spend 95% of our time trying to do it ourselves and only about 5% asking him to do it. It ought to be the other way around because he can and we can't, and he can make these things happen. We can't always, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So maybe part of our problem is, or like James says, you ask amiss because that you may consume it upon your own lust. You you, uh, you ask, uh, but you receive not. So uh, we have to be careful uh, with this kind of thing. But we're not asking God for miracles when we pray. We're asking him for his providence. We're asking him to work things out, basically. Now, if we lived in the day of miracles, or we, we lived when Jesus Christ walked on the earth, or even some of the apostles, Peter says to the man at the temple gate, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, I'll give to you. Well, in that case, give it to me, <laughs> you know, rise up and walk but since we don't have Jesus walking around doing that nor the apostles we're not we don't ask for that but we do ask for all kinds of things don't we uh you know you guys prayed no doubt when you drove through winter weather this last couple weeks and look at the people on the east coast right now praying for what praying for protection and praying for safety and you know, that kind of thing. And I, I drove back from Des Moines Tuesday night and going along on snowy roads. I found myself praying too. You know, you get behind this truck and he's throwing slush all over you. So you say, I got to pass this guy. And then you pull out in that left lane and it's a little slipperier than the right lane, but you got to go ahead and get ahead of that truck. And now he's blowing stuff all over and you can't see. And, and what do you do at that moment? Lord, I can make it. <laughs> no, you say, Lord, help me make it. You know, get me around this guy, right? Does God hear a prayer like that? He's got bigger things to worry about than you and me. Does he care about me passing a truck? You know, some, You know, uh, you know, if I passed out of this world in a traffic accident, it wouldn't make a drop of difference in, in the whole bucket of the world's history. So, you know, what differences do I make? Take care of somebody who matters, you know no god hears at all and not only that god then he says yes or no because sometimes our prayers are good and sometimes they're not so good and so uh you know in romans 8 there you, before that verse it says, well, and all things work together for good, 828, all things work together for good to those who love God. Well, h- how do they do that? Well, in the verses before, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But he does. And the spirit that lives in us talks to God about us. Go, I, I better go there. I'm talking about it. But, but you, should, you should look at it in Romans 8. Likewise, in 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, really himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he, that is the Father, that searcheth the hearts, knoweth what's in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And if i've used this illustration before pardon me but but uh you know you pray and you and the holy spirit is interpreting for you the language of heaven with groanings that you can't utter you don't know how to speak that language so you're praying to god and so the holy spirit is interpreting your language into the language of heaven but the holy spirit and god are the same person and no one another's hearts and so the holy spirit says you know what Rick's prayer is kind of foolish, isn't it? And God the Father says, yeah. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, if we answer this, it'll make a mess of things. Yeah, I know that too. Well, then what should we do with Rick? Well, let's say no to this one. And let's let's bring this other bump into his life to make him pray a different way. Okay, that's what we'll do. (laughs) And so he says no to my prayer. I'm kind of discouraged. But I run into another trial, and because of that trial, I learn something different. I come back to God and say, all right, Lord, how about this? (laughs) And the Holy Spirit says, hey, it worked. Look, he he asked the right thing. God the Father says, yeah, let's grant that. And so he grants that. You know, if a child in a classroom says to the teacher, it's a beautiful day out there, sunshiny and all, let's go outside instead of have math class did it did it hurt to, for the student to ask no. no and what if the teacher says boy you're right it is a beautiful day and i'd love to do it but if we do it we won't get through our lessons by the end of the term so we can't go outside but did it hurt to ask no but suppose you you have some extra time and you can miss an hour And if you hadn't asked, the teacher wouldn't have done it. But you ask, and so the teacher looks at her schedule and says, you know what, we can miss an hour. Let's go outside. And the whole class gets to go outside. Why? Because you asked. But the teacher knew knew what was best. She knew whether you could afford it or whether you couldn't. And when she gave you the answer, even if the answer was no, you needed to say as a good student, well, she knows and I don't. And so, okay. It didn't hurt you to ask. So we ask. It's a dignity of causality. And, it, and if God chooses to say yes, boy, it could change all kinds of things. Now, you can wrap your mind around this later. But God does all of this before he ever created the world. And here's our prayers before he ever creates the world and knows how he's going to answer your prayer before he ever creates the world and if he says yes to your prayer he creates the world that way before he before anything else was ever made we'll try to wrap our minds around that sometime and that's why still all things work together for good and god has seen us from the foundation of the world predestinated before the creation of the world to be this way, and took our prayers into consideration in doing it. Amazing, isn't it? Okay, so we'll see even in uh, today's message, we give thanks always to God for all things. Uh, I, I think that verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, giving thanks always for all things, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When I pray, or even when I don't pray, and things happen the way they happen, I still have to understand God's providential care, what God chooses to do and not do, even how he answers my prayer with yeses and nos and waits and and whatever. Whatever happened is the best thing to happen when you take everything into consideration. So all things do work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, even if it hurts me. And even if he's chosen for me to go through some hardship, there's a reason for that, and it's the best thing to happen. So we get, we're always giving thanks, always, when, when these things happen. Uh, I don't have time to read, but I have a, a paragraph here from Gene Vythe. He's a contemporary writer today that I like to read, and he, he writes, writes a lot about contemporary things. But he's talking about words and how important words are. And so he gets into talking about prayer, and then even how we are so sloppy with our words, and sometimes even in offense to God. And think in this world, folks, how many people call on God in some kind of profanity, and they don't realize what they're doing. Vaith is saying, God hears every prayer. God hears the prayer of the sinner when that sinner says, well, God blank you. God hears it. It's a prayer. When somebody says, oh, God, not in some reverential way, God hears it. And God is going to judge every idle word that we speak. Can you imagine at the white throne judgment when God brings everyone's prayer back before him and says, here's how you addressed me, and here's what I did with that prayer. Every idle word and everything we say. And if that's going to be true of, of people who don't know him, it, it should be even more true of us knowing him and knowing what he can do, that we are always very careful with our words and we're very careful with our prayers. We're not, we come boldly before the throne of grace. I mean, we, we are invited to come and speak, but we come and speak, and we speak for a reason because God is a God of his word, living, written, and eternal, and he cares about our words, and he that knows the hearts of man and the mind of the Spirit answers according to those kinds of things. So, okay, so um, here we are in providence phenomena and prayer, and, and so much more, as you can see, could, should be said about all of these, but uh, they're all kind of our interlinking pieces in the puzzle that we try to understand. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. And though, Father, we pray at prescribed times and in places and and things, Father, may we never take for granted this wonderful privilege we have of addressing you. Help us, Father, to, to know and understand, and even when we don't understand, to love you and thank you for all that you do. And so, Father, help us to fit into this plan in the best way, in the way that's most profitable for your purposes and your will, and cause us, Father, to live there and be thankful and be at peace with you. We'll thank you for that and bless in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you for being here in our class this morning.